Hello everybody, welcome to 1v1, the creator interview series where we celebrate our friends and their content they're doing on the internet. I am your host this week, Corey Deering, and alongside me is our Destiny lore master, Josh Finney. Come on, Corey, thanks for having me. I'm glad we finally got to sit down and do this. I know, it's been a... It's been a busy couple weeks. I know we've been wanting to do this for a, a little while now. Not just because you're co-hosts on Tower Casuals, but also because we've been friends for a long time. And, you know, you, you've been doing stuff on the internet on and off for a little bit. And we have a mutual love yeah. of uh, not only video games, but, you know, Disney and Earl of Sandwich and oh, all kinds of things. Oh, man. Y'all are going to hear me go on. I'll go off on a sandwich. I mean, there's probably going to be at least a half hour segment on Earl's Sandwich in particular on this episode. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tag them in this episode when it goes live. I'm going to tag you them. Should, you should. Every Earl's time, Sandwich, sponsor me, you coward. Yeah. I mean, every every time, I, every time I've ever posted a picture, I tag them and say, I'm back. I love the sandwich. They're like, awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. They, they, their social media is on top. Yeah. Open one in Texas is all I'm saying. I mean, the closest one to me is like four hours away, so that's all I'm Dude, saying. We used to have three of them in San Antonio, and I'm only like an hour from there. I looked it up a couple months ago when like the whole quarantine thing was starting, and I was like, man, I'm depressed. I could really use a good sandwich right now. Our old sandwich has places in Texas. I remember this. Nope, they all closed last year, and I was so upset. That's 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 unacceptable. That's all I have it's to say. Unac- absolutely unacceptable. Just saying, that's that's unacceptable. So it's all right though. Uh, I'm trying to, I want, I'm trying to look up locations of it right now, and it's just like see all locations. There are 37 locations. 33 of them are in the United States, and none of them are in Ohio. There's one in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, which is eight hours away. And uh, you know, I might as well just get on a plane and go to Florida. Well, I'm not going to Florida. I'm right saying, but you know. So, anyways. We'll get we'll get to our sandwich talk in a minute, but Josh, just in case people don't know who you are and don't listen to Tower Casuals, which why aren't you? Uh, who are you? Why should people care about us and care about you in particular? And why are you so cool? <laughs> All right, I'll try to give uh, give adequate responses to those. Um, for those of you who don't know me. I'm Josh. Uh, I have been friends with Corey and the Boss Rush crew for several years now. Uh, Corey and I actually met, uh, if you can believe it or not, in an online Facebook group back when that was still a cool place for discussion for video games, uh, and formed a small Destiny group to figure out the sleeper stimulant puzzle in the Taken King. Um, and just ever since then, we, we've kind of uh, we've been friends uh, through all of it. Periodically popped up as a guest on his shows from time to time. Um, I used to host a couple of shows over on a network called Neek uh, that I founded with my good friends Chris Kubiak and Ray Apollo. Um, we used to do a main show over there where we tried to uh, inject a bit of comedy into the into the goings-on of the nerd world, uh, along with our beloved Topic of the Week conversations. Uh, and that spun out into Ray and I doing a video game pod and a comic books pod. Eventually we just had to stop because we couldn't afford all these hobbies. It got really expensive to buy comic books every single week or every other week. Uh, we realized we were just talking about the exact same runs every time. We didn't really want to go pick up new books because money. Uh, I did some money. editing and re- re- darn, darn you, capitalism. Um, 
it got really it, the show just got really expensive i did some writing and editing for a time for a website as well um and ever since then i've just kind of like kind of floated through trying to decide what i want my next project to be um that project ended up being uh just kind of almost out of nowhere it ended up being tower casuals um over here with boss rush and uh still kind of floating got a, got a few more things in the works that i'm uh not quite ready to announce but uh kind of getting ready to tease um Hoping to bring back uh, podcasting on a regular basis, um, a separate show in addition to the Tower Casuals. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for that. Yeah, you, you guys should care about me, though, because i not in a desperate plea or anything. You should always care about your friends. You should always care about your hosts. Uh, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't just do video games. Uh, I have a deep love for film and television, which I would argue my love for film and TV is probably bigger than my love of games uh definitely a bit more knowledgeable in that area um actually went to film school for a brief time in college um really 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 dig talking about composition about uh just the whole production process the creative process behind uh film and television and uh of course comic you know comic books really anything in that that sort of sphere uh, but not tech because i'm not good with tech i'm really really bad at tech and um yeah uh st- uh, I'm, I'm your I'm, I'm your Swiss Army knife of geekdom. That's, that's why we love you. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, so we're actually you, you brought up your love of movies and and film and and I guess we'll jump off there for now because that, I mean that's really kind of to be honest one of Boss Rush Games kind of weak spots in in general. You know we we have a we have a title for a movie and film podcast at some point, if we ever got that far, uh, you know, I've told you the name and it's something we used to do over at DNA and then we kind of lost it and, you know, we'll bring it back someday if it ever happens. But, uh, so movies, what is it, what is it about movies that kind of draw you in? Because I'm one of those people that I'm not really big into, into movies. I feel like, I, it it really has to be something special for me to get hooked into it, right? And and uh, if if it doesn't hook me, I just I just kind of lose interest. And if I'm watching a movie, I kind of feel like I'm not doing something. If that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. And I I know that's obviously different. There's a lot of people out there that love movies and everything. And uh, what what is it about movies that that just draws you in like that? Um, I, I think it's a storytelling medium. It, it's really unique. Uh, I did a lot. Of, I read an awful lot when I grew up, uh, and I still I still do reading. You can't see it because I'm in my office, but out in my living room, I have literally two entire bookshelves just filled with books. Um, I, I read a ton. I probably buy like 15 books a year easily. Um, I sell probably just as many, if not more. And I think what appeals to me about movies is it's a medium where you only have to invest like an hour and a half or two hours of your time to get this amazing, well thought out, well done story. When you play most video games, two hours in, you're barely scratching the surface. Like in a game like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you haven't even hit the main plot point yet. You haven't even gotten out of the tutorial area. And I I like these big sprawling games, but I'm kind of at the point, I think because of my love of film, that when I play a game, I'm like, if it hasn't gotten its hooks in me in about 90 minutes, I'm done. I'm probably not going to play the game. I'm probably not going to think about it past that because I just, I, I don't have this time. I could easily go and play something else or watch something else and be just as enthralled. And I think that's why I like television too, because 
in TV, if a pilot episode doesn't catch you, the rest of the series likely isn't going to. Um, the next two or three episodes can be super weak, but as long as it has a good pilot, a good hook, gets its hook in you, you're going to sit there and you're going to get invested. And I guess I just like the storytelling medium that much more than playing like a 40 or 50 hour single player game that I, I have to sit there and play for even shorter, shorter single player games that are like 20 hours, like Uncharted 4. I'm like, well, damn, you know, I know this is a different medium, but I can get just as satisfying of a story in a 90 minute movie. Like I can go do something else with my day. I don't have to dedicate an entire week to getting through this story. I don't have to sleep in between finishing this story. Um, I, I, and I think like the accessibility of it adds into a lot of that too, right? Like, we, we just finished talking on the Tower Casuals about the benefits of Xbox Game Pass and about xCloud, Play Anywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm like that with my movies. I buy almost every single movie, even if it's physical. I redeem the digital copy that comes with that movie through my iTunes. So I watch a disgusting amount of movies through iTunes on my phone or on my iPad. Mm -hmm. That's just that's how I consumed so much media uh, in college. And even this past year, the past couple of years at my job, like I would just sit there and I, I would catch up on TV shows during my lunch break. And I'd watch an episode or two and I'd be able to get caught up if I missed a few weeks and hey, I can use that time for gaming when I get home. But yeah, definitely the storytelling medium and the, the production value definitely draws me in. Yeah, uh, I like there, there's a few things on Netflix that, I, that I've been watching recently. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a recent movie that I actually really, really loved was uh, Palm Springs, which you recommended to me. Uh, well, on Hulu. is my favorite movie of the year. It's yeah, so it, good. it was it was really good, and I I haven't felt like that watching a movie in a long time. You know, like I I think uh, you know even with like Avengers last year, like I was I I really liked I liked the way the Marvel Cinematic Universe has kind of like told this huge sprawling story over mm -hmm. at that point what twenty two movies at that time and ended it, and yeah, I thought twenty three. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just thought, like, <clears throat> I can't believe they pulled it off. And that was such a, like, right. there are unique moments in movies where if you are there in a time and place and you get to watch it happen, you know, uh, Force Awakens was another moment where, like, uh, when I was talking with my one friend who really loves Star Wars, it was like, this is the first time in, in however many years, like, we literally don't know anything about this movie going in and what's going to happen over the next several years. And now we're at this point where, okay, we know what happened and you know, it, it happened mm -hmm. and, and now we're kind of moving on from there, but you know, and then the Avengers last year being in that theater, watching the end really, and, and watching mm -hmm. a new beginning kind of unfold was really something special. And there are moments like that with movies that I enjoy, but for me, I it's, it's not like, I can sit down and watch a movie and feel that every time, which I don't, you're not going right. to feel that every time. And, and you shouldn't. If, if you get, if you get that excited over something like if any, any medium, if, it, if it's watching a show, if it's watching movies, if it's watching, uh, playing video games, you know, even listening to an album or reading a comic book run, if you're getting that feeling every single time you sit down or more than just a fleeting feeling and you're like, you, you can sit down and have a moment of catharsis where you're like, this is special. This is something really special that's unfolding in front of me. Um, but if you are like in that rip roaring, like uh, I lost all control of my inhibitions in Avengers Endgame, for example, I was screaming <laughs> during the portal scene. Like I don't react during movies. I cry. I, I get teased a lot because I cry a lot in the movies. It does not take much for me to cry. Like 
and this sounds really callous, but it's like it's hard for me sometimes to cry over like or get like super outwardly emotional. I like repress my emotions. But when I'm in a dark theater, like that's it. It's just it's gonna flow. I'm just gonna <laughs> cry. Uh, somewhere I've been told that somewhere there is a video that exists of me crying during the opening crawl of The Force Awakens. Just like the minute the words Star Wars appear, like oh, tears just started coming down my face. Apparently, yeah. um, we went with about twelve to fifteen friends, and my girlfriend said at one point, like everybody was just staring at me and my best friend, literally holding each other. Like our our wives are sitting next to each other. We're just holding each other. We're, we're just <laughs> Like clinging to each other, like crying because the words Luke Skywalker has vanished have just come on screen, and we're gasping with everyone else. End game happens again, not holding our significant others, holding each other as Pepper Potts and Tony Stark are going back to back with with the with the Iron Man beams coming out. It's everything we ever wanted from War Machine. Everyone's alive. Spider Man and Tony are reunited. Ant Man is punching things. He's punching giant space slugs out of the sky. I don't have that same reaction when I'm watching the Social Network, though. Yeah, like outside of Andrew Garfield smashing Mark Zuckerberg's computer, I don't have that same feeling of like, yes, I just want to scream and cheer right now in the movie theater. Um, I, I think that's a really special moment in art when you get that way, whether, it, whether it's a game or, or a movie. I, I think it's just such a unique experience. I mean, you get that way when you're you're Link and you you stab the sword into Ganondorf's head in the Wind Waker. Like that's a moment where I just I dropped control. I was like, yes, yes, yes. You know, did it when, when I killed Guilty Spark. You know, you you shot Johnson, you son of a bitch. Like you deserve to die. Yeah. And I'm shooting this little orb, and I'm like. Yes, 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 yes. I was 15 up in my room screaming in the middle of the night doing this. Uh, just that That's the beauty of art in general is that it evokes such a, a visceral reaction from us. Yeah. And and even in, in games like the the first 15 minutes of a Halo game are going to evoke different emotions oh, yeah. than the first 15 minutes of The Last of Us or the first 15 minutes of, uh, of Shovel Knight. You know what I mean? Like they, they right. just... Yeah, they, some some of the stu- some of the feelings you have are way more powerful than others in different ways, and it's it's uh, you know like I, I I do have to admit during the Avengers when the the portal scene happened, I did I shed some tears. It was uh, it was it was it was pretty emotional. I'm not gonna lie. I I, I just love the the visual of Captain America standing there and by himself and then you just see everybody start flying out of the portals oh, it, it's incredible like that 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 scene not to dote on avengers endgame too much like I, i've talked about this ad nauseum but the avengers theme has become iconic mm-hmm. um in that regard like you hear that you instantly know it's the avengers it's when the-, the portal scene happens though i feel like the music that's tied to that is going to become as time goes on, almost as iconic because it fades into the Avengers theme. The second that Giant Man bursts up through the Avengers headquarters, saving Hulk and Rocket and War Machine. And then the theme starts as it's panning across every single hero, all the armies. And you're just like, you're seeing Cap just standing there with all the heroes behind him. And he finally says it. I think we all screamed along with Black Panther out loud. Like there was a moment of silence, and then we were all just cheering and screaming on opening night. Yeah, uh, it just oh my god! Like it, the, the um, even if it doesn't hit for you, I think, and like, I'm one of those people who gets very annoyed when people clap in movies or like applaud the ending or start cheering. I hate that. I just 
I that was it. That was that. I lost control of who I was for about the next twelve and a half minutes because it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I like even like even before that though. Like when when Thor and Cap are fighting uh, Th- yeah. Thanos and like. You just see Thor's it. hammer like fly past. Yeah. Him, like, oh my god! Like it was like when it happened, it was like yes, it's happening. It was so cool. And then like Thor gets excited, and then you see him get kind of. You just see that split second of worry in his face, like mm-hmm. oh no, <laughs> you know. It was it was awesome. It's so good. Like, it, it's just it's all of it's just so good. It, it's oh my god. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Kevin Feige. Thank you, based Kevin Feige. <laughs> I like. I'm really interested to see like the, his version of the X Men and Fantastic Four, and uh, you know some of these other characters that we haven't even been introduced to yet. You know, yeah, uh, it's gonna for, be for, for sure. I'm uh, I'm very here for Fantastic Four right now. But man, just give me give me Secret Wars eventually. That's all I needed to build to. I need that's all I needed to build to is something even more ambitious than Avengers Endgame. I need you to do Secret Wars in like ten years. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you I'm gonna put you on the spot right here. Casting for Fantastic Four. Uh, give me John Krasinski and Emily Blunt as Mister Fantastic and Invisible Woman. <clears throat> give me give me Lance Reddick as the Thing. Oh geez, that'd be awesome. Give me Lance Reddick as the thing. Um, maybe even Lenny James. I could go for Lenny James, too. Um, as for Human Torch, I genuinely just don't know. Um, I think that's honestly one of the harder ones to kind of nail down. Maybe uh, Taron Edgerton from uh, the Kingsman series. Mm-hmm. I think he would be really good. I still maintain he would have been the perfect on Solo. And that, God, Doctor, I think Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is the most critical casting that this franchise will do for the remainder of its existence. It's more important than Professor X, Magneto, and Wolverine put together. Because if Doctor Doom isn't nailed, so many story arcs just can't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so many Marvel Universe arcs can't happen. And that's one I've gone back and forth through so many names. My my dream for Doctor Doom would be Michael Fassbender. That'd be pretty... You think they uh, would cast Magneto, him? Even you don't know him. Um, I, I would love him, but I imagine they're going to go for somebody who is less expensive and far younger yeah. than somebody who's in their early 40s. But I think he would be an actor that evokes the same. I mean, maybe even Taron Edgerton like would be a great Doctor Doom. You have somebody who can like get flat out evil, honestly, like, but still believes he's doing this for the good of humanity. Like Doctor Doom is an inherently evil person. He's going to do bad things to accomplish his goals. Yeah, I mean, he's a twisted character, so I don't know. You, you get, you get, you, there's, there's so, so much you can do there. Yeah, yeah. I, hmm, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, uh, I mean, like, what if you were to recommend movies right now to someone that maybe not these big, huge blockbusters, but something that they can watch on a streaming service right now? What are like some of the the what are some of your favorite ones right now? I mean, we mentioned Palm Springs already, which is fantastic. You should definitely watch it. Uh, Paul, yeah, if you, if you have Hulu, Palm Springs is definitely at the top of my list uh, for a movie that just came out. Uh, a lot of times, the movies that come out on streaming services are really bad, and this shocked me by how good it was. Yeah, um, I really like that one on Hulu. Um, I actually don't. I don't watch a lot of more recent movies uh, on there. Like, I, okay, when I say more recent, I mean like stuff that's come out in the last year or two. Obviously, we haven't had too much this year. Um, other things that are on streaming services, I really dug. It's gonna be completely like out of type for me. I really dug uh, Little Women last year. 
Uh, Greta Gerwig's Little Women. I really dug that one. Uh, for someone who doesn't really care for the novel, I thought this was a unique spin on telling that story. Uh, just how they structure the actual movie was really good. It's all told in flashbacks. I thought that was really cool. Um, their Greta Gerwig movie, which I believe is on Amazon Instant Video, uh, Lady Bird, is basically what I imagined my life would have been if I had been an 18-year-old girl. Um, because uh, a lot of the things in there were like, it's the same kind of like teenage emotions that everybody went through. I think if you went to high school in the 2000s, mm -hmm. um, especially if you went to a private school, I, I, I went to a private Christian high school. So I understand uh, a lot of those things. I understand some of the arguments with the parents, um, you know, with the, the falling outs with friends, the, the reuniting, trying to get in with another group. Uh, the taste in music is there too, which is, I don't know what that says about me as a person that I like early 2000s music a lot, but it's definitely there. And I think if I had to recommend something from Netflix, it would be uh, it'd be The Social Network, um, one of my top three all-time movies. Uh, Nine Inch Nails does the soundtrack to a biopic that I think has only gotten more and more important uh, as the decade has gone on. Uh, we I think we all kind of underestimated. Not just it was good, but I think we underestimated the impact it would have. And that, that Mark Zuckerberg's story in particular and the story of Facebook would have on world events as time went on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's an incredibly timely movie and everybody should check it out. Um, it is a movie about Facebook, but bear with me. And it's really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's on our list. It's on our, it's in our queue, I would say. Uh, so, uh, but we're going to, we're going to kind of move on. So you used to do a, a comic podcast, uh, as you said at the top of the show. So, how did you get into like just comics and, and that kind of stuff in general? Like when you were like, when you were little, were you just buying comic books? Like, I mean, um, so I, I actually had to like persuade my parents to let me get comic books. Um, I was raised by my grandma and grandpa who my grandpa would pretty, he would take me to a comic book store and let me get whatever. As long as I kept them from my grandma, my grandma still has the opinion, uh, you know, 25 years later that, uh, comic books are a waste of time they they don't teach you anything intelligible they're not worth reading um god bless her i love her but you couldn't be more wrong uh one of the greatest pieces of literature uh, of the 20th century was a graphic novel called watchman um and i got into comics when i was probably about five or six years old i had just gotten into star wars for the first time and my, my grandpa was trying to help me find like I want I wanted to get Star Wars toys and he didn't know where to take me so he took me to a comic book store of all places and I found Star Wars comics I bought a lot of Star Wars and X Men comics that day he let me buy them all from like the twenty five cent rack um, the the back issues and I probably had a stack of comics about this big that that those are the only comics I had for like eight or nine years probably until I got into high school. And started bumming comics off comics and graphic novels off of my buddies uh, in high school. Got them taken up all the time by our teachers because we'd sit there and we we put the comic issues or the graphic novels inside of our textbooks and nice. read them. And <laughs> we we get away with it, you know, reading these comics that quite probably aren't going to be allowed in a Christian high school. Yeah, probably um, not. in the deep south. So the you know, reading all that, and it was something I was made I was made fun of as a kid for really liking comics. I was a huge X Men and Spider Man kid. Mm -hmm. I didn't get into the Avengers until Iron Man came out, mm -hmm. uh, maybe shortly after, and I just started reading anything I could get my hands on. From that's kind of when I made the transition from being like not just a '90s Marvel kid, but I actually really loved DC up until that point. I kind of transitioned to being almost a full time Marvel reader. 
Um, I was like, man, these movies are awesome, but I also really like these characters and I want to read more about them. And, you know, still teased a lot. And then the same people who were teasing me two years earlier, once I'm in college, are like, dude, what is happening? Who was that big purple guy at the end of Avengers? And I'm like, yeah, I bet you wish you didn't pick on this kid now because now, <laughs> now you need things explained because Wikipedia can't explain it to you easily enough. Okay. Okay, guys. <laughs> uh, I, I still remember seeing the first Avengers and gasping when I saw Thanos for the first time. And all the people in my theater, it's like 7 a.m. screening. They're like, these are all working people. They're getting ready to go to work. And they're like, what what who is that who is that and i'm like standing up like giving an information session to my theater like okay that's thanos this guy's gonna be around like forever now like that's the most important bad guy in marvel and they just put him in as a tag at the end of the movie i can't believe this he was behind the whole thing this is amazing and you know then eight years later i get the, the coolest ending to a series i've ever seen so i was i was one of those people i did not know who thanos was because i didn't read any of the avengers mm-hmm. stuff either i was i was reading x-men and ninja turtles i didn't have time for the avengers you know what i mean like uh, the, the avengers i mean up until the movie the avengers were very much like a c-list team nobody yeah. cared about the Avengers. nobody like, cared about i had never out. even heard of iron man until that movie came out they came back to so the thing about Iron Man and Thor and Captain America and all them was they were C list heroes. Like you probably out of the out of the original six Avengers, you probably knew the Hulk. Yeah, and that was about it. And that was because of the awful Eric Bana movie in the early two thousands. But also because you know he he had some comic arcs, he had some cool video games. Like if you knew Marvel, you knew the X Men and you knew Spider Man. That's just all it was. Like the Avengers were a C list team. Like I was the only person. The only person, and to this day, I maintain the the absolute only person who has ever been excited to see Clint Barton on screen. I am the only person who likes Hawkeye that I have ever met. And let me tell you something. Just, mwah, mwah, you are perfect, Jeremy Renner. You are a perfect Hawkeye. But I always liked the street-level heroes. I started reading Daredevil as I got to high school. I found Alias for the first time. Yeah. Uh, you know, Alias is the current series of Jessica Jones. I found Heroes for Hire with Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Like, I love those. Sh- I love those comics. I love the shows. I-, I like that they're bringing some of those characters into Disney Plus now. Like, give me Moon Knight. Give me so much Moon Knight. Give me so much Hawkeye. I, I love all of it. Uh, but comics, guys. If you're if if anybody ever tells you comics aren't worth reading, just point them to point them to the civil war comic point them to the dark knight returns um watchmen john of the hickman's secret war saga is the greatest comic story i've ever read uh it's the greatest like four i I invested in this story for four or five years it's absolutely incredible um everybody should read secret wars 2015 you think that that is my parting gift you think you think marvel's gonna try to do secret wars at some point yes um, I, I, I'm a firm believer that Marvel has already set the stones to start building two secret wars, uh, specifically with who they left alive and who they're confirming is coming in in phase four, specifically with Natalie Portman, uh, taking over the role of Thor or mm-hmm. taking on the role of Lady Thor, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Hulk still being alive, Doctor Strange still being very prominent, Black Panther only growing in prominence. They hinted at Namor. Um, and then we know, we know that eventually... The Fantastic Four and the X Men are going to come into it, and that's that's really all you're missing. You're really missing the Fantastic Four from being able to do the story right now. Yeah. So, which they're I mean, coming. They're, so, yeah, they're, they're coming. So, yeah, Secret War. Book, book it. 2028. We're getting Secret Wars. You heard it here first, guys. Check back in eight years to see if I was right. Yeah, we'll clip out this. <laughs> we'll clip this out. <laughs> so, uh, 
we're gonna kind of move on to mm-hmm. since we're kind of on Marvel, we're just gonna transition into into Disney. Uh, one of the things that we kind of first connected on actually was Disney, our love of Disney yeah. World, and in, in in particular, uh, we've never been at the same time. It's always been like it's always been like a week apart, literally like weeks apart. Yeah, multiple times now. Yeah, like what three times I think at this point now since we've known each other. Three, yeah, three times we have been less than two two and a half weeks apart. Yeah, uh, so I mean if. Honestly, it, it, I know your your love is is movies and film. If I wasn't doing stuff with video games, it would be Disney. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I still have like this side project written on paper and design docs and everything for di- uh, some sort of Disney project. Uh, you know, I I still want to do that at some right. point. Uh, but Disney has has connected us in a in an odd way. Uh, so what do you what do you remember about your first kind of trips to Disney oh World? God. So th- this is where I'm going to sound really entitled and really spoiled. Um, Sweet. Part of the, part of the benefits of having your grandparents raise you is you get treated like you're the fourth child. Mm-hmm. So they take you on all these vacations. They get to go to all the kids stuff, but it's stuff they didn't have money for when their kids were younger. So we went to Disney like once a year from the time I was like three or four years old. Mm-hmm. Um my earliest memories, my earliest memories of Disney World involve falling asleep at every meal, um, getting just ridiculously sick like our second or third time, um, and it spoiled the surprise. My dad was in the service. It spoiled the surprise of him coming back from uh, the Middle East. He flew from the Middle East to Orlando to surprise us for my birthday, and lo and behold, he lands, and my grandpa's like, oh, by the way, we need you to go pick up medicine at a 24-hour pharmacy. Your son's throwing up repeatedly. Um <laughs> That was a great way to see your dad. Is like, dad. Yeah. Um, but Fair. my absolute earliest memory of Disney is I, I I can't remember if it's my very first trip or my second trip. We went had breakfast at the Crystal Palace mm-hmm. in Magic Kingdom. Used to be this awesome breakfast buffet there. Maybe it was awesome because I was a little kid and didn't know any better. But it's still all I right. saw Tigger. I saw Tigger and I slipped out of my seat. And to the horrified reaction of my grandmother, who tried to grab me, my grandpa thought it was great and took pictures. <laughs> I ran at Tigger. He was paying attention to another kid and not me. So I just pulled on his tail as hard as I could. And it caused the guy in the Tigger suit to turn around. And it startled me so much, I screamed and ran across the restaurant with Tigger chasing me. <laughs> in today's day and age, I think that might be a lawsuit on both of our ends. <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure I assaulted Tigger's tail and that Tigger then tried to attack me for revenge <laughs> in a breakfast buffet. That's hilarious. That's so funny. So, you didn't you didn't duck behind the buffet and just start chucking Mickey no, waffles I, at I him? I running through the tables. And um, yeah, I don't think my family ever ate there again out of shame. <laughs> Even when, when my cousin, my cousin was born several years later. When we took her for the first time, I was like 11 or 12, and uh, I very specifically remember my aunt being like, oh, let's take let's take Alyssa to, uh, let's take Alyssa to the Crystal Palace, and my whole, the rest of the family was like, mm, no, we can't do that. If <laughs> 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 you ruined that for all of us, we still have shame. We'll, we'll, step to, we'll, we'll stick to Chef Mickey's. Oh. Uh, we, 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 we can't do that. <laughs> we'll go to the Princess Buffets or something. I mean, to be fair, Chef Mickey's is better than Crystal Palace. I mean, it's not even that it's like good food. It's about the the ambiance and the experience. Yeah, 
Like the only thing that's worth getting for breakfast at, at Disney World, you guys gotta understand, is the Mickey waffles. Oh yeah, like, that's all that matters. Nothing else matters. It's that, and what's the quickest place you can buy alcohol the earliest in the morning in the Magic Kingdom? So, speaking of Mickey waffles, my my dad and I took a trip this earlier this year, right before Corona hit. It we were we were literally to, right after my girlfriend and I yeah. went like two weeks later. Yeah. And we were actually supposed to go the week that they closed. And my dad moved mm-hmm. the trip up because he wanted to wanted to miss spring breakers. And we mm-hmm. moved it up to the last week of February. We stayed at we stayed at Pop Century and I was so excited for Mickey Waffles. Did you know that Pop Century stopped serving Mickey Waffles? They are now just the, really? they're just the Pop Century logo waffles now. That's highly disappointing. And the, the, the Mickey shape is what makes the experience. I'm like, I don't want to eat a damn Pop Century logo. I want to eat a Mickey waffle. Okay. Right? So I was I was highly disappointed. But to be fair, they're still pretty good. But uh yeah, the, the Mickey the Mickey waffles, like you said, the only thing worth eating for breakfast down there. It's amazing. Oh, that, that's it. I mean, like you, you, you can find good pastries. You can definitely find good pastries. They're on every single corner there. Mm-hmm. You can find good coffee. You can't find Mickey waffles everywhere, though. Like, you actually have to go and have breakfast somewhere to get the Mickey waffles. Uh, our favorite place to go, we like to go to Sleepy Hollows over in the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. And uh, get the giant Belgian waffle mm-hmm. there. Um, I'm partial to the uh, the spicy waffle sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. That we- I was about to ask you if you had the spicy chicken. Visualize this for a minute with me, everyone. A giant, giant Belgian waffle the size of your plate. A big piece of spicy fried chicken and some slaw on there. You fold it over. It looks almost like a waffle taco. It's like a Choco taco, but it's waffles and nothing like a Choco taco. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's incredible. It's you so you literally I, I think I glimpsed the face of God or in this case of Walt. I think I glimpsed the face of Walt Disney there, and this is what he meant when he said, "This is the happiest place on earth." <laughs> it, it is a transcendental moment when you have your first spicy waffle sandwich, my friend. Did you get it with the coleslaw on it? Uh, I've had yeah, I've had it both ways. I prefer it without the slaw because I'm not a slaw person. Yeah. But man, it's it's so good. Uh, we we get waffles at Sleepy Hollows at least once or twice a trip. Um, once in the morning, and then we—that'll uh, be like our dessert for a Magic Kingdom at night. We'll mm-hmm. get it before we leave during. We leave during fireworks to go catch the bus because nobody else is on the bus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. Um, the time. I mean, to be fair, the fireworks. Or we ride are good. the monorail and watch them. If you've if you've never if you've never seen the fireworks, you should definitely watch them. But if you've seen them, you've seen them, and you need to catch the bus because you will be standing in line for at least an hour or two, depending on when you go to catch the bus back to your resort. It's. Yeah. Yeah. Just just going to say that. Uh, but going back to first, yeah, yeah. like kind of like first trip memories, like my very first memory of, of Disney World, we were staying at the Polynesian and I was I was like, because uh, like you, I've also got spoiled with Disney trips growing up because my mom, <laughs> my mom worked for Disney up here. Uh, oh, OK, at, we had there was a Disney there was a Disney owned Disney store at our mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they used to be all over the place. Uh, now I don't think they're all that around. I don't know, but uh, and there is one a mile from my doorstep, my friend. Okay, so they are still around. Okay, so uh, <laughs> she used to work there, and just for being a Disney cast member, she would get discounts. So we would go like two or three times a year. Uh, and my fir- very mm. first memory, we were staying at the Polynesian, and I stole a Tigger uh, stuffed animal. 
and my parents had to go back and pay for it because I stole it. So there you go. All right. So Corey was shoplifting from a young age, and I was terrorizing Tigger from a from a from yeah. a young age. All of our stories revolve around Tigger, apparently. Yeah, that's not good. That, that, no, I'm I'm almost afraid for when you know, when your when your daughter's old enough to remember if she's going to terrorize Tigger too. I know we were we were planning on taking her this year. Uh, yeah, but the, the Rona. Yeah, uh, this is not the time to go. I don't know if you've been watching anything on Disney. Like I, I watch the Disney Food Blog a lot, and I watch a lot of YouTube stuff on Disney that's happening. And it's just like, I don't, it's not a good you couldn't time. Pay me, if, even if I lived down there with an annual path, you couldn't pay me enough to go. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I love going, but, uh, I'll, I will gladly go next summer when it's safer. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so, but also continuing on, on the food track for a second. Yeah. The, the rise uh or the rise of the not the rise of resistance the galaxy's edge uh the wrap there the the ronto wrap both of them the breakfast one and the regular one are easily the best things i think i've ever eaten at disney the the breakfast wrap uh, yeah so i have to take this back i used to i said that the mickey waffles were the only thing worth eating uh i gotta tell you that the absolutely incredible breakfast ronto wrap uh definitely puts that to the test it is so, so good. <laughs> I really, really, really love the breakfast. I like the breakfast one better than the lunch one, personally. Yeah. Um, the lunch one definitely still good, but if I'm going to Galaxy's Edge and I'm eating, I'm getting a breakfast Ronto wrap. I'm getting blue milk. Not green milk, blue milk. The, the green was fine. It was fine. Um, I prefer the blue one, definitely. And I'm going, I'm going to the cantina. Yep. I'm absolutely 100% going to the cantina. My my friends, my friends. Even if you don't drink, the the non-alcoholic drinks are so exquisitely made there. Uh, it, it, it's incredible. The the drink that I had was the the fizzy tauntaun, and it had like st- a peach ciroc, peach schnapps, um, some and something else in it. And the, the foam on the top is what really made that drink. It was this fizzy foam that, like, when you put it in your mouth, your mouth like numbed. Mm-hmm. Like your lips, your tongue, everything. It was like pop rocks in foam form, but better. Like, and it tasted like peach. It was so good. And when I asked the waitress how they made that, she just smiled and broke the immersion. She was like, "Well, that's Disney magic for you," and walked away. And you know what? Let me tell you, my friends, it really is. It, it was incredible. I'm so happy that I got it. Um, every single drink is made differently there, though. It's so weird. Like. I, if I if I wasn't drinking too much already, I definitely will when I go back and I'm spending fifteen dollars a cocktail. Yeah, but it's so worth it. Like you can't, you can't go in there and be like, oh, I want to get an old fashioned or I want a gin and tonic. Like no, it doesn't work that way. You have to order something off the menu because it's it's all pre made with the exception of like the uh, the garnish on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the garnishes aren't edible, which is really cool. Like the ton- like one of the tonton drinks has like a cookie in it. It's it, it's whack. And for all of us who went to Star Tours as kids, Captain Rex is back as the DJ, and it's the coolest thing. I in know the world. it's pretty awesome. Uh, I was because like uh, we, got, I hadn't been on Star Tours since they ch- they changed it, uh, mm-hmm. and now I C three PO is your pilot, and I'm like, eh, that's that's boring. Yeah, I, I don't really care. Uh, but like we were like I we didn't we just went in the cantina to walk around and look uh, mm-hmm. because it wasn't busy and they were letting people do that and. Uh, I was like, oh, man, there he is. 
there he is. I got really excited. My dad's like, what are you doing? Because, like, my dad's not big in the Star Wars and doesn't really pay attention. Right. You know, I mean, I, I love my dad to death, but he just, you know, he's just not that guy. The moment that I felt like I was in Star Wars, we walked into the cantina for the first time. We, we had a table reserved. We walk in and we're going to our table. As soon as we walk through the threshold, uh, Rex starts talking. And, and then out of nowhere, literally you hear the and it goes into like a club remix of the cantina band song oh really and everyone is going nuts cheering and clapping and laughing and i'm like this this is star wars i'm in star wars now this is what a star wars bar would be like this is awesome i love this so much yeah i think i think the moment i felt like we were kind of like in a, in the movie or whatever it was like the first time we were writing smugglers run it was at night yeah. like this like the steam from the millennium falcon was like coming out of the bottom of it and like we were we were getting on uh, we had fast passes so we we kind of just walked right into the uh you know the the briefing room and everything and then like mm-hmm. you walk in you walk into the millennium falcon and you like you recognize it from the movies like as you walk around in the rounded hallway and you walk into the big room with the the uh space chess table and you're just like this is it this 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 is happening and like i i i was like man this is so cool and like i'm not the biggest star wars fan but i'm like this is this is cool and like i i really just want to go watch star wars now and just it was cool i they really did an amazing job making you feel like you were there yeah uh that that is that that's the best land that's the best land they've ever done. Yeah. And I said this, I said the exact same thing when they made Avatar, when they made Pandora. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just, it's, it's incredible. You walk through there and you feel like you're in an outpost. <clears throat> you really do. And the rides tie into that too. Like you're taking off and leaving, coming back to the spaceport when you do it. You're going off world as they call it. It's just one thing after another. It, it's so cool. I do think they're going to eventually abandon setting the story permanently between episodes eight and nine Mm -hmm. just to give them some flexibility with characters, maybe with some different versions of Smuggler's Run eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, But man, Corey, did you guys get a chance to do the Rise of the Resistance? Yes, we did. So, okay, so here's the story with the Rise of the Resistance. We got there and we were like two minutes late and we were in boarding group. 134 and they they only board like so many during the day like so Mm -hmm. anything after like i think that day anything after group 80 was like extra groups Mm -hmm. and uh so we were we were there and we kind of like went back to the resort and we went to another park because we were because you could check the status on your phone and we were like okay well we we might as well just go somewhere else we're not going to stay here all day since we're actually planning on going back the next day we didn't get on and we were like okay well it's it's it sucks and we were actually we were like well we'll we'll get it next time and then my my dad later that night my dad's like you know what let's just get up early let's just go again and do it and we got on within an hour the next day yeah it was it's one of the most amazing experiences at disney like for i, I think the only thing i've ever done at a theme park that rivals that is flights of passage yeah, uh, over at the Animal Kingdom. Yeah, that was awesome yeah. too. Like we got yeah. to do that too. Uh, and like my dad has a disability pass for mm-hmm. a lot of it. So, uh, and rise it didn't work for Rise of the Resistance, but uh, yeah. we did get one for Flight of Passage, which was <laughs> that was so awesome too. Like I, 
And this was your first time doing flights too, right? Yeah, like because the before this past time, the last time I went was a week before Pandora opened. And oh man! Yeah, and like it was, it was like cast members and special guests only could go mm-hmm. see Pandora. And my my wife and I at the time we were like, let's just try to go. Let's just try to see what we can do. And I mean, as soon as we tried to walk in, somebody stopped us and we we're like, oh, what's? We were trying to play dumb. We we're like, oh, what's over here? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Rise of the Resistance is a it is a must do down there. And Flight of yeah. Passage is a must-do. Like I, a, Rise of the Resistance is a completely canonical story in the Star Wars universe, too. Yeah. Not like Star Tours. It's an actual story that takes place between Episodes 8 and 9. Like, the, the hologram tech in there is in the pre-show is incredible. Yeah. It looks better than in the movie. I, yeah. I, I can't believe they actually replicated that. Yeah. And you, know, you, you feel like you're actually being captured and being taken to an interrogation cell. Like the, the actors are all jerks to you. Yeah. Uh, that are first order officers. And, the, you know, you, you get in and when you're actually escaping, like we, we got really lucky. We got to do it twice. And both times, thank God, all of the animatronics actually worked. Nothing mm-hmm. was broken. Nothing didn't work. Nothing wasn't lighting up on the walls. Um, Seeing Kylo Ren pop up in front of you was genuinely terrifying. Yeah, that was, dude, right. I, everything, so cool. everything was working when we were there, too. Yeah. And, and, like, after you get through that first kind of room where, like, Ray kind of talks to you and, like, BB-8 and everything, everybody's giving you instructions or whatever, and you go outside and you mm-hmm. see Poe's X-Wing sitting there, and you're getting ready to enter the transport ship, and you get on, and, like, it's kind of like, like the the thing kind of takes off and you like all around like the screens are simulating or what's happening outside and you see this the x-wing battle and everything you get pulled in and then when you get off like you're being arrested right and you walk into like the big chamber where all the stormtroopers are standing and you're looking out into space and you're seeing tie fighters fly across the the sky the fly across space and and then you kind of go stand in line to ride the the real ride or whatever and like nothing was broken nothing like broke down or anything like seeing the the resistance kind of cut the door out when you go get in your vehicle or whatever mm-hmm. it was so cool looking and and it was uh, it's so cool and feeling kylo ren use the force to pull your car towards him and and everything at the, at the end right and uh the way your car kind of drops down when you're escaping in, in the escape pot it was so just Man, I don't even know how to explain how cool it was. It was just—it was definitely one of the best experiences, for sure. It's—it's it's absolutely incredible, and not just for fans of Star Wars, but for, I think for fans of just like good story. Like this sounds kind of weird to say, but good storytelling in a theme park ride. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about earlier about how you know movies and games and TV and comics all allow for these different kinds of mediums like we're getting to the point now with technology and with storytelling and writing and shared universes that theme park rides are starting to get there mm-hmm. you know with with the millennium falcon with a uh, you know smugglers run with rise of the resistance with flights of passage like you're starting to get these stories like in these larger universes and i'm really really stoked for avengers campus opening up at uh, california adventure next year because it was supposed to be this summer i was supposed to be there um like in two weeks and it's not happening obviously because it's not going to be open and uh star wars celebration got canceled out in anaheim but 
they're they're doing a Spider-Man ride. They're doing a Doctor Strange magic show. They've got the Guardians of the Galaxy ride out there. It's technically canonical. They're doing an Avengers ride where you go to save Wakanda from Thanos and the Outriders. Like, I'm here for all of this. This is all so cool. And it's allowing these IEPs to tell stories in a way that other places like Universal really didn't allow the Marvel properties to do and like they're they're getting there with harry potter but they didn't allow their other properties to do it and i think that's something that sets disney apart from so many of these other theme parks is you feel like you're actually living in these worlds mm-hmm. like yeah. you're, you're a guest in them they're not a guest in yours you're a guest in theirs even if it's just something full of animatronics like like splash mountain or like the haunted mansion you still feel like you are immersed in that world mm-hmm. yeah haunted mansion by the way the, oh man the the best the, classic the disney ride Oh, dude, hey, hello. That's awesome. That's amazing. It's awesome. So, um, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Disney is is just a it's a special place. I know people have their problems with Disney, and you know, some sometimes it's warranted. And, 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 it, it, it is completely rightful. Like we're we're both sitting here getting like really giddy talking about Disney. Uh, they do have some some practices that are not just questionable, that are just flat out bad. Um, they shouldn't be open right now. I think it's really irresponsible, personally. Um, for the workers and for the guests. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that you are a business. You have to make money. You're bleeding like $30 million a day easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have any movies out there to help offset the revenue. You can't just drop Black Widow. Um, people oh, just drop it on iTunes. It'll be okay. Like, no, it doesn't work that way, guys. Like, n- not enough people are going to buy it for it to be remotely worth doing that. Now, if we get into like December and still can't have things open, okay, I think we'll see some form of desperation mm-hmm. um, with like that and Mulan and some of these that they know they'll make like several hundred million off of just from VOD, jack up the VOD price a little bit, like 30 bucks. And okay, yeah, people will still buy it. It's still cheaper than going to the movies with four kids. Um, and then put it out in the theaters proper once they can open them. But sooner or later, they're going to have to start releasing things internationally. Like that's just the nature of business. Yeah. And, and I think they said Tenet is going to open internationally recently. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious to see if anything opens internationally at this point. That, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Disney, some, some questionable practices, uh, but some of the greatest memories of my life have been from Disney. Yeah. Including, including Earl of Sandwich. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, have we reached the Earl of Sandwich segment? We officially? have, you know, there's, there's other things about Disney, but we can save that for a different podcast. Maybe this <laughs> Disney project, you will come yeah, on and yeah, we can talk sure. about that. But, uh, Earl of Sandwich is by far at Downtown Disney is one of now there there's 33 locations in the United States. Okay, it's, it's, it's almost not, all of them are in California though. Uh, yeah, I, there's eight in California and ten in Florida. So that that's that should tell you, yeah, everything you need to know. But it is single handedly one of the greatest oven baked sandwiches you will ever eat in your life, my friends. Oh, it's just. It's so special. I've never had a bad meal there. I've never had a bad sandwich. Yeah. It took me years. And when I say years, I mean probably close to a solid decade of trial and error to figure out statistically what the best sandwich offered at the Earl of Sandwiches. And my friends, I'm here to tell you today that it is, in fact, the Hawaiian barbecue sandwich. That is. You get shredded ham. You get diced chicken. You get tangy barbecue sauce and of course yes my friends you get the pineapple on there all smashed onto a bun and toasted to delicious crispy goodness not too much crisp it's just barely enough crisp for it to make a difference and it is so good whenever i go there i buy 
at least two or three sandwiches. I eat one there. I bring the other two home. They go into my freezer for a really bad day. And let me tell you, as long as they're not freezer burned, they still come out pretty good. They usually don't make it longer than about 24 hours, though, because I just want more Earl of Sandwich. If it was around here, I would eat there like I eat at Chick-fil-A, which is like once a week. Let me, okay? let me. If I ate there... That would be the only place I would request gift cards for. Oh, what nice restaurant do you guys want? We don't want nice restaurants. We want Earl of Sandwich. That's the nice restaurant, my friends. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. We went down, and every time, like, my birthday or something rolls around, my mom's friend mm-hmm. who lives in who lives in Florida buys me Earl of Sandwich gift cards because it's a mean joke because she knows I'm not going to be down there for a while. But, right. when, but when I do go, when we went this spring – we had 75. How many times did you eat at Earl's Sandwich on your last trip, Corey? Th- three? Four? Okay, so we ate there three times, and then I bought a bunch to go to the airport and eat <laughs> at the airport. So uh, every time I, my parents go way more than I get to go now because like, they're old and retired and they get to do things like yeah. that. And every time they go, I make them bring me home sandwiches. And every time my dad gets stopped at, at security because they think that these long, you know, silver wrapped round things yep. are bombs and they are yep. actually just Earl of Sandwich sandwiches. And I make them bring me home like four or five sandwiches. The amount of times I've had to unwrap a sandwich at Orlando International Airport is truly staggering. Yeah, it's at least twice a trip you have please to just put one after security so i can just start buying it at the airport instead yeah that, i mean that would be great uh but we ate there three times i had i every time we eat there i get two sandwiches we had 75 dollars worth of gift cards my friend oh my lord so we had to use them on this trip of course oh of course of course um i had i had a hawaiian barbecue i had two originals which is the roast beef cheddar and horseradish and you say, oh, well, that's just Arby's. No, 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 no. Yeah. This is if Arby's was actually like real sandwich. This is if Arby's was edible. Yeah. So I got one of the, I got two of those. I had the Earl's Club, which is a classic. Um, I love the Earl's Club. Love, love the club. I had two BLTs, which are amazing. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've ever had the BLT. Uh, it's actually like, not, I have. You have? Yeah, the, the the process of trial and error, my friend. Yeah, okay. ten years of sandwich tasting at the Earls. Yeah, so I I had a BLT, and then you know just for the heck of it, I threw in a I threw in a ham and Swiss, and I was like, huh, this isn't bad either. So I'm just saying, we have never had a bad meal there. No. Um, we attempted to try something different because we always get the Earl of Sandwich usually on the day that we get there mm-hmm. um, because we usually get there like midday and we don't go to the parks on the first day. We, we get there midday or towards the evening. We, we'll get sandwiches there. We'll hang out in downtown Disney for a while and then we'll go We'll go over to the pub. We'll go to Raglan Road for dinner. Mm-hmm. For That's dinner usually what we do, actually. Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah. And then on our last day, um, I typically stop for a pint. I do it in reverse order. I stop for a pint at Raglan Road for a drink and then we go get sandwiches before we head to the airport. Um, and man, let me tell you something I've never not seen the line go out the door there. It is, I've never seen this for a sandwich place in my entire life, but the service is so good and so quick that I don't even mind. I don't mind sitting out in the hot Floridian sun. If it means I'm eating at the Earl's. Yeah. Actually, we, 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 the first time I, not to cut you off the first time that we ever took Chelsea, that her and I went our very first vacation together. She never. I found out she'd never been to Disney, and I'm like, you're 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 in you're in your 20s and you've never been to Disney. 
so 23, 24, we went to Disney for the first time together and we stayed at Saratoga Springs. In number two, which you can see the Earl of Sandwich from that building. Yep. The amount of sandwiches we ate on that trip, the amount of overpriced sandwiches we ate, it was so worth it. Yeah. She, she didn't understand why I was so excited for this sandwich place. And then she understood after taking that first bite. And it was just like, it's a transcendent experience. It's like so good. You've ascended to a higher state of being once you've eaten at the Earl of Sandwich. It's so good. And like, uh, I had a very similar experience with my wife because she had never been, she had been to Disneyland, mm-hmm. but she had never been to Disney World. A and world like, is so much better than land too, by the way. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, I've never been to Disneyland. I want to go someday. I would like to go someday. I have. It doesn't compare for me. Yeah. No, I just want to go just to just to go. You know, I know for me, I know Disney World's going to be better. Like it just is. Well, I think land might be better if you're a kid or almost equal if you're a kid. Cause, I mean, Magic Kingdom and Disneyland, they almost cancel each other out. You have like Star Tours and Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland now, which is mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Let's go to all and Cars park. Land, right? Yeah. And you got that over at California Adventure. They finally reworked that entire park. It only took them 20 years to do it. Uh, seriously, watch the Imagineering, Imagineering story on Disney+. Plus. That was so good. It was so good. I've so watched good. it twice. <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah, dude. We, we've watched it at least twice. So good. But I think as you become an adult, Disney World is infinitely better. And not just because of the variety of activities to do, the, the different parks, the, the multiple pools, the the golf. Yeah, I, I like golf. So golf, um, the water parks, things like that, like water sports, all that stuff. You, you can also drink your way around the world at Epcot. And that's how we spent Easter Sunday uh, three, four years ago. And then we proceeded to just ride the monorail back and forth in the transportation and ticket center and Epcot for a solid hour trying to sober up so that I could call us a cab. (laughs) And it it is genuinely just such a great experience because you might think, oh, well, Germany's going to be the only place there or, you know, the UK. Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, surprisingly, the the we went during the food and wine festival one year. Oh, my Lord. And you get that that there's a plate there's a little pavilion in china that sells mm-hmm. this i forget what it's called but it's it will knock you out if you have one and you will just die if you have two uh i forget what it's called but we had sake uh she never had sake before she she also doesn't really drink a whole lot so that that was kind of me exposing her to different kinds of international beer and a little bit of wine like i definitely like wine more than she does and we got to Japan, and I was like, "Hey, we're gonna try sake here. We're not gonna get a, we're not gonna get uh, Kirin Ikebon. Like, I, I can go buy that at home. Like, I, I keep that in the fridge occasionally. That's that's like the Budweiser of Japan. Mm-hmm. We're getting sake, and I was like, we're, we're gonna get cold sake. I don't really like hot sake too much. We're gonna get cold. And I then quickly realized because I've never had cold sake. I'm like, oh, you know, I want to try something different. Hot is definitely the way to go for sake." And yeah. You can't do cold. Cold cold is just bad. It, it is atrociously bad. Mm-hmm. And I took a sip of it and was like, nope, don't like it. She, on the other hand, downed it and was like, that's great. So we found out that she doesn't like food. She doesn't like wine. She doesn't like cocktails. She likes sake. It's weird. Yeah. It's, but uh, it's hilarious. Like, the, it's a great place to go to try international food and drink. Yeah. It's uh, it's the Joy of Tea Pavilion in China. And, they have, okay. and okay. The, it's it's called the Canto Lupi is what it's called. And it's it's just it's cantaloupe juice and vodka and it will knock you out. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. Um, I it burns. I, I can't do vodka. So that's <laughs> to me. 
Um, everybody has one drink, and mine is uh, either vodka or tequila. So it just uh, it does not go well. Uh, my my favorite thing though is the uh, the grapefruit beer over in Germany is kind of the go to for me. It's okay. It's funny over there. I end up going to uh, a beer that I uh, that I get at home from time to time, and oh god, what is it? I'm trying to remember what it's called. Uh, I drank this for like years. Um, Kunik Ludwig, that's what it is. Uh, Kunik Ludwig, which uh, a friend, of, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Chris Kubiak, introduced me to for the first time uh, years and years ago down in Pensacola, and we downed an entire six pack in a night because we both liked it so much. Uh, that actually has become uh, if Chelsea's gonna drink a beer, that's the kind that she likes. Uh, partially because of the memory, but partially because uh, like, oh, it's actually really easy to drink. So. Yeah, nice. that that's been our uh, our subtle change from the Earl of Sandwich to the joys of drinking your way around Epcot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even it, it's so weird to see, like, because like the Magic Kingdom, you used to not be able to drink anything over mm-hmm. there. Like, there's no yeah. alcohol over there at, at all, and then you go to Epcot, and now even even Hollywood Studios to an extent is like you get, you get that blue milk with the te- the tequila in it or whatever. And it's oh, it's just, incredible. It's it's, it's incredible. Yeah, that, you so. want to talk about you want to talk about a pick me up in the morning. That that is it. That <laughs> is it right there. I am always I am a fan of the breakfast cocktail of the breakfast beer. I am a fan of all of it, and there is nowhere better to do it than at the mouse's house. Yeah. So, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna kind of move along here. Uh, just, yeah, yeah. Just because it's it is getting late, and we just want to make make sure we get some of the stuff in. So. Uh, <laughs> Podcast roots, Neek, Neek the podcast. You were from from Neek originally. Yes. Um, what what would you say you learned from that experience that you're kind of bringing to Tower Casuals now? And like, it, it, it could be positive or negative. I, I I don't know. You know, I just want. Oh, you. I mean, I've, I've got nothing but great things to say um, about the the guys that we collaborated with over there: um, Ray, Chris, myself, and uh, our buddy Nick. Um, the four of us, I felt, really built a. Uh, I felt like we were, sorry, my cat is trying to claw on my back right now. Um, I felt like we really built something good over there. And I think for me, it was what I took away from there was the confidence in how to lead and steer a conversation and how to plan topics, um, how to really like kind of control the, um, the conversation a bit um, to not just sit there and wait for a prompt, but to, you know, kind of be free to speak my mind a little bit and to, uh, Kind of help plan shows out a bit more and not just leave it to somebody else. It's something that uh, I like to not not to like dictate the way that conversations happen, but uh, I learned how to moderate a lot over there. And I think that that's something really valuable that I've tried to take other places and other shows I've come to in uh, the years since. It's just that and also like that it's okay not to overextend yourself. It's okay, it's better to get one really amazing good product under your belt. Like, not just with viewership, but something that you're confident in doing week after week after week. Make sure you're still enjoying it, and then you expand. But I think part of the problem that we had was we expanded too quickly, too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, we had the main show that we were doing. Ray and I were doing a comic book show um, two, maybe three times a month. I had a video game show I was doing every time. I only did that every time there was a big new release, but it was I, it involved us you know, playing through a big AAA game, and then you know me and somebody else even have had to be a guest sitting down and discussing it. Uh, there was an anime show going on at one point with Chris, Ray, and uh, another one of our friends. 
and it just it became too much like we had something almost every day of the week and it became really really hard to promote our content i felt like we were spreading we spread ourselves a little bit too thin and i really think if we kept it that one main show maybe one other one maybe done the comic show or done just the video game show um that it would have been better i think i also learned the the value of that sometimes less is more mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to panel top panel guests like we when Age of Ultron came out, we were about six months into doing this show, and we had like eight or nine people on that episode for a giant panel discussion, and it was this long, chaotic, like two, two and a half hour long show, mm-hmm. trying to get everybody's opinions in there, and it just didn't work. And that that kind of showed me, like, I, I think one thing I learned was our one-on-one conversations we had, much in the style of Tower Casuals, is that if you have two people really sharing their opinions and they occasionally bring in a third guest, I think that's just so much better for discussion and for getting to know your audience, the audience getting to know you. And you occasionally have that guest voice to shake up the dynamic a little bit. Like every week doesn't need three people. Um, it's, it's not an IGN show. It's not a podcast beyond or a kind of funny or something like that. It's, you know, it, it's a couple friends getting together two, sometimes three friends getting together, sitting around, uh, their webcams talking about things that they're passionate about. And I think that it allows everybody to have an equal voice. The more voices you add into that mix, the more difficult it becomes to do a coherent show. I think at times. Yeah, no, I, de- I definitely get that. Cause like that, I mean, I think that was, uh, before boss rush, most people know I did a, did a, was part of a group called nerds gone rogue. And I feel like that's, mm-hmm. that was that, problem was we kind of overextended ourselves and not everybody was on the same page and we you know overextending was kind of the big issue there um, among other things uh but uh you know i that's why i've i've been taking boss rush kind of slowly and i i know we are doing kind of a lot but we are in a place where you know we don't all have to be a part of everything obviously we have a team that everybody's on the same page and everybody knows that they're not obligated to do everything or anything that they don't want to do. And you know, that's, it's, it's kind of, and that's why I took last week off. Right. Cause like, I was like, okay, I'm kind of feeling it a little bit, kind of, kind of feeling that kind of doing too much type thing. So I just took last week off and guess mm-hmm. what the shows went on and they were great. You know, I, I think the, the boss rush episode that went up today was great. And I had zero part of it except for posting it, you know, and, and, the Nintendo Power Black episode that's going up tomorrow, right? It, it's it's great. I wasn't on. And it. I think that's the important part of being a content creator is realizing realizing your limits and pausing to take a minute to reflect and just even if it's just taking a taking a week or a show or two off, especially if you're on multiple shows, to kind of go, okay, I need this as like a mental recharge. Um, I want to take a break. Like I, I liken uh, playing an ongoing game like Destiny to this. I take breaks periodically so that I don't start resenting it, so that I don't get burned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get, resentment is a bad word. So I don't get burned out uh, as quickly on something that I truly love doing. Um, you know, when it's become a part of my weekly routine, you know, okay, you know, sometimes I just need to, to step back for a couple of weeks, like step out of my fire team for a little bit and then come back. And I think that's part of what doing it with a smaller crew really helps in content creation is yeah, you're still going to get those days where, okay, I got to take a break, but you're, I think you're less likely to do that. Or, you know, that if you need to, you've got another host who can pull somebody else in and have another great one-on-one, have another great discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something I really, really like about this show that we're building so far is that it very much feels that way. It's, it's two friends sitting on talking, 
you know, we, we do want to do guests eventually, but you know, it's us kind of establishing like, what do we want from this show? What do we want this, this show and this, this extension of boss rush to begin? Yeah. And I, I really feel like tower casuals is, is, you know, where most of the time we're in and out and f- within 45 minutes, we, you know, you've, right. you've been building the show, you know, it, it, setting up the, the dock and everything with, with the lore corner and, and raid report and favorite drops and everything. And, you know, it, it's a great cadence. I feel like, I feel like this week in particular, we finally hit a good cadence of like, mm-hmm. this is okay. This is definitely the setup of the show moving forward that, you know, tonight was sure. like, I feel like this is the setup of the show moving forward. And I, I love that feeling when you finally see the show becoming what it's going to be. Right. You know, I mean, we've been, mm-hmm. we've been doing the show for two months and we had a hiccup here and there, you know, and, and now that it's just us two. And yeah, like you said, we want to bring guests on at some point eventually. And I think that'll add a good, a good, uh, wrench to the mix. Right. But like, Right, especially on weeks when there's like there's not much news. Like, it's an evolving game, sure, but the, even then, like, especially going into Beyond Light, like there's there's going to be a couple months where there's not going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah, and you know, it's it's just seeing the show becoming what it's going to be moving forward. Just mm-hmm. the, that moment where it clicks, right? It's just like, oh man, this is going to be great moving forward now. And and yeah, man, I I'm really excited that you decided to do tower casuals with me i i've been wanting to get back into a destiny podcast for a long time and you know i'm not as into it as i used to be right like my mm-hmm. my very first podcast was destiny podcast the dna weekly strike right. way back when house of wolves was coming I, out and, i remember <laughs> yeah uh it's it ran for 63 episodes right it was a fun show mm-hmm. and you know we kind of got in a place where my co-host didn't want to do it anymore and then it just kind of fizzled out. Right. And I've tried to bring it right. back two, two or three times since then. And like, you know, I, I was, I was thinking about the destiny show and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe not. And I was like, you know what? Why not? And I'm so glad that you decided to do tower casuals with me. It's been, it's been a, I love it. It's been a, it's, it's brought joy to my Monday nights, honestly, like just mm-hmm. sitting down talking about the game that I love, even though I can't, play it every night for four or five hours a night anymore. Right. right. But like, that's why it's called tower casuals, right. Is because mm-hmm. I play it casually, but my brain loves the game like a hardcore player. And I want to talk about it, you know, and, and I think that's, what's great about it. And you bring such a great part of, of destiny to it with the lore stuff. I like to me, the most inter- interesting part of Destiny is the lore, and I love watching Bife videos. Oh I, I love reading the lore books. I love looking yes. at the art books and stuff. Like, and you said, like, just sitting back. Sometimes I forget I'm even on the podcast, just listening to you talk about the lore, and it, it makes me so. I don't happy. know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's a great thing, and I'm just like, oh man, like we were talking about uh, Mara and Aldrin, right? And I was just sitting back, and like I had questions, and you answered them like right away. And I'm like, oh man, that's that's awesome. So, uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, so just kind of to maybe hit on this last note, destiny has been in, in both of our lives for a long time. Uh, memories of destiny. What, what are some of the, the best thing? What are you, some of your favorite things that you've done in destiny? Um, I mean, I've got, I probably got like four or five that I want to hit on here. Just like real quick, like bullet points. Yeah. Um, Definitely the first moment for me, like where I 
I think I fell in love with the game. The game was fun before this, but when I really fell in love with it was the Vault of Glass. Um, doing the encounter to open the vault was unique, but I was like, okay, we've, we've done some stuff in strikes. Okay, this isn't too, anything too special yet. And then you get to the Oracle room. You do the jumping down to the Oracles, and just entering that big cavern for the first time I was like, whoa, what is this? I've never seen anything like this in a shooter before. And to this day, like I, I mean, they, they've eclipsed that raid a couple of times now. I feel with with Kings or with Kings Fall, mm-hmm. with Last Wish, with Garden of Salvation. I think all three are superior to the Vault of Glass. But I'm a, such a trip for nostalgia. I'll never forget walking in there for the very first time and going, "Oh my god!" Like um, another one, I would say probably is the first time that I fired up the beta, and I immediately knew within like ninety seconds, like this is going to be a game that I'm going to lose dozens if not hundreds of hours to i never imagined it would be into the thousands yeah um but i remember saying to my my best friend and i were both playing it at the same time uh we were playing it together actually and we went we both said it at the same time we were like this this is the evolution of halo this is what halo needed to evolve to Mm -hmm. and i I stand by that years later you know using my super for the first using my golden gun for the first time that day it's like oh my god this is so cool you know, he, he was a warlock. You know, they're hurling a Nova bomb for the first time was just amazing. And, you know, all this stuff, it, it was it was so cool. And I don't know if I really had any more moments like that in Destiny 1. I definitely like seeing Oryx in King's Hall for the first time. You're like, oh, my God. Like, I just went through all these encounters. I just went through this giant jumping puzzle. And now I still got to kill this guy. Um, being torn between worlds for the first time in that raid was really awesome. Uh, the sleeper stimulant puzzle, of course. You, you and I became friends over that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing that—that was the first like community puzzle, and trying to figure, trying to figure it out, trying to figure the core of Oryx out. Uh, <laughs> learning that we had to get the two knights to stand next to each other, and now it's just like yeah. such a rudimentary uh, technique that, like, if you don't know how to do it, you're ostracized by the community. I mean, we just um, had, you just had to do it for the the ruinous effigy quest. I mean, right. like, I mean, if you're trying to get, get the, you have to do it for the, the contact events. Yeah, uh, you have to do it every couple of weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, all the stuff we learned way back in Court of Oryx is coming back into play now. Um, I think that's probably it for Destiny One. I mean, Destiny Two, of, of course. You know, I seeing Riven for the first time in Last Wish was just terrifying, <clears throat> but it was this incredible moment where like, I'd seen like Riven's face before, but I'd never seen the actual part where you're like. Go, you're on the elevator mm-hmm. going to see her and I'm like oh my god like oh my god what is this oh my god like I didn't know you ripped out the heart at the end and had to relay race it out of there uh that just seeing that for the first time was awe, awe-inspiring um and the fact that every time I've completed a raid for the first time up until Spire and Eater um I completed with the same friend every single time for the first time um my my best friend since we were we were twelve years old. We started playing Halo two together when we were twelve. Um, the week it came out, his older brother went and bought it. And we started playing together. Uh, Bun- Bungie's been a part of my life for over fifteen years now. For sixteen for sixteen years this November, Bungie has been a major part of my life. Um, like the amount of time I've spent with Bungie games is almost old enough to vote. Like next year technically will be because I played Halo one for the first time in 03. So yeah. Uh, going on 17, 18 years of being a Bungie fan, and they just they find new ways to surprise me. I, I get that there's problems with the game, but man, some of my favorite video game memories ever have been from that, from freaking out with friends from last second clutch raid finishes. Um, 
be I, me and uh, me and another guy were the only ones alive still when we were fighting Atheon and just like throwing whatever we could to kill him and finally killed him. Everybody comes back and it's like, oh my god, we did it! Um, you know, having having clutch King's Fall runs like that. We just had one the other night with Garden of Salvation or not with Crown of Sorrow as people were dropping. You know, like okay, well, just like two or three of us need to do as much damage as we can right now. Just commit right now. And, you know, did it. Everybody gets res. Oh, my God, it's this really cool experience. You're taking on Insurrection Prime. And, you know, seeing friends get exotic drops. It's just There's so much wholesomeness to this community and to these moments. Like, whether it's a clutch PvP finish or even just, like, experiencing the story for the first time. You know, fighting in the Black Garden, uh, fighting the voice of Riven. Like, you know, you're doing all these things. The Rise of Iron Mission where you're just running around with a gigantic axe. Yeah. <laughs> there's all these super cool moments there's these hidden quests the Gallarhorn quest in Rise of Iron where you get unlimited Gallarhorn ammo for the duration of the mission to shoot all these tanks apart with it's just it's amazing it's absolutely incredible this game has brought so much joy to me and getting to share that with everybody now week to week is just an amazing gift yeah it's uh, it's a game that has brought I've made so many friends from Destiny alone I mean you mean you know, podcasting every week, I've met a lot of cool people and everything, but right. you know, it, it, it really started with destiny and, yeah. you know, just, just meeting people and, and kind of finding groups to be a part of and, 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 you know, LFG and, and my friends who, who convinced me to come back to it right before house of wolves <laughs> dropped. And, uh, like you said, vault of glass was amazing, but my first like real, Ah, moment was was King's Fall and the first time we got to Oryx and yeah. uh, trying not to die when he was throwing things at us when we had to run around the pillars and uh, you know it, it's Destiny is a special game and the community really that is. like yeah. the community not only the Destiny community in general but just you know the community of people that we've all kind of interacted with throughout the years has just been it's been amazing so. Uh, it, it's been some of the best people I've ever gamed with. Um, yeah, there's a reason why, like most of my friends list is people that I've met through Destiny or who play Destiny. Yeah, um, of course I've got I've got friends who play other things um, that I've just known forever. But the vast majority of my friends list plays Destiny uh, at least on a semi regular basis. I mean, I've met some of my best friends through it. You know, I, I you know, you and you and I, you know, we played it together and Destiny. Well, we didn't really get to play together in Destiny one because you were on PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were solving the puzzles together though. We were sharing everything we could in. In a little shared Facebook message between like ten of us, yeah, trying to figure out these puzzles at the same time that Glad and Dotto and all of them were tackling it, and then uh, that led to uh, you know a, a last year, last summer actually, I met the group that I play with now pretty regularly just through a random Reddit post. You know, uh, my friend John was looking for people to play with. He's like, hey, none of my friends play. I'm looking for a clan to join. I'm like, hey, you know, there's only a couple of us, but you're more than welcome to come hang out with us. We're looking for people to play with, too. And that resulted in bringing, like, six people along with him eventually. And, you know, now we, we all play together. You know, I play with him and uh, our buddy Phil pretty regularly. We always do the the raids and the in-game content together. And it's uh, it's really, it's, it's already a special game, but I don't feel like you get the full experience of a game like Destiny, unlike Halo. I feel like Destiny is best experienced with friends. With Halo, sure, you can still enjoy the campaign, but you, you got to do the multiplayer for the full Halo experience. Yeah, Bungie games are so heavily dependent on a community, on a vibrant community, and I think that's what continues to make those games special. Yeah, it's less about the actual. Like, I love the story, I love the lore, I love the gunplay. It's it's 
you know, 20 years later, they're still the best in the business at it. Yeah. But there's something that never felt right about a Call of Duty, but it feels inherently right when I pick up a battle rifle or I pull out my uh, my gnawing hunger or my galler horn. My my falling guillotine now, I've become a sword man. <laughs> but I get that feeling I don't get in other shooters. Yeah. That I'm getting this officer, I'm getting awesome gameplay, but it's a community too. Like it's not just my friends. I mean, the, the, the community event of watching the almighty blow up is one of the coolest things that's ever happened in that game. Even though it's just a test bed of things that are to come. Like we're all just hanging out in the tower, all emoting, watching this happen. Like we're all just, everyone's popping out their best chair emote or their popcorn emotes to watch this thing blow up and maybe kill us all. Like we don't know what's going to happen here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I think things like that are just what makes this so special and so unique. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a unique game for sure. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, some other games have hit some of the aspects of Destiny. Like for I think Fortnite, the Fortnite community hits mm-hmm. hits some of the aspects. Uh, Halo definitely hits some aspects, but Destiny just the total package of, of what Destiny brings to it's players. truly is, unlike anything I've ever done before in a game. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're gonna. We're gonna wrap up here. Just uh, your your final thoughts on on the gaming community, the boss rush community, and your place in it. Like, how do you feel about what you're doing here, and and you know how you kind of want to wrap up your thoughts here. I uh, I love it. You know, uh, thanks to you know you and uh, Ed and Jesse for for inviting me in and welcoming me in. Uh, not just the tower casuals, but you know having me on uh, on arsenal x on the boss rush podcast um i love being a part of the community it's i've gone through patches in my life that it made me debate if i really want to to podcast and create content anymore um some pretty rough areas um notably about two three years ago uh i went through a pretty cathartic moment where i was like i don't know if this is worth it anymore um and this community and the people who interact with it have proven to me that yeah this is something i still want to keep doing and not just uh, not, not necessarily that I want to like grow beyond it. It's that uh, I I love I love interacting with everyone. I mean, we're we're already making friends, you know, through doing this show. You know, we we've already you know made so many connections, you know, through this, through former mixer partners, through Twitch partners, and I love it so much because it's like we keep coming back to it, it's it's a community. It's not just people who happen to play a game together. It's not just you know daily active users it is a community you know you find that close-knit group of like 10 15 people and those are the people you run with those are the people you want to raid with they're the people you want to go trials with that you want to play comp with that you want to just you, know, you want to just screw around in the tower with you you want to go hump the titan statue next to zavala <laughs> you know you you want to go to face that that wonderful nightstand um they're the people that you want to go to the seasonal events with. You you want to bake the you want to bake the cookies with them. You want to do grims and doubles with these people, um, and you don't get upset with each other when you fall short. And I think that in a lot of ways, the Destiny community is also emblematic of the community that Boss Rush is building because we do that except with podcasts here with with content, and it's not just oh you know you and jesse and ed and me and celeste like it's not just us like it's not just our thing like we are sure we may be the voices on it. it's not us it's ours it's everybody it's like that's the purpose of being in a community i hate using the word family when it comes to online communities i just I, that kind of rubs me the wrong way but i think when you describe it as a community like it's when you're in a community everything is shared and that's what it is like you know, we may make the content, but we all share in the creation of it. Like, 
you know, there's something you want covered. Like we, we, we want to do that. We want to have those discussions. Like, you know, we put out a call for questions for, for, you know, the tower casuals every week. And, you know, we, we sometimes question, sometimes we don't, that's the nature of doing a show like that. And it's just, it becomes about a shared experience, like not to keep repeating myself, but that's what it comes down to. And I think that's what I love so much about this community and going forward. Like I, I want to be part of building that up. I want to help build up not just here, but like, I want to build up, you know, I want to build up positive communities. We have enough negativity going on in the world right now. And I, I'm guilty of being very negative. Like I'm, I'm guilty of being a negative Nancy a lot, but I think we all are too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, think I, it's, I think it's hard not to right now, but you know, just hearing the reception of, you know, of how people have responded to tower casuals and, you know, like, you know, friends being like, I, I don't even listen to it, but you know, you said you were doing a show again and man, it makes me kind of want to jump in and play. Like, dude, do it. Come play with it. Like it's free on Xbox. It, New light is free. Come play. Come, come do gam. Come suffer in gambit. together. <laughs> uh, come play. some. come play some iron banner. Come play some mayhem with me. Uh, I'll show you, I'll show you how to play breakout or yeah, I'll show you how to play breakout. I'll show you how to, you know, do raids. Like, I just I want to share this with my friends, and if that means redoing the same content over and over again, cool. Like as long as it's not Crown of Sorrow, I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> Crown of Sorrow. That <laughs> that story was so funny, by the way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you know, just to kind of wrap it up here, I, I feel like it, like you, you know, I, I felt that way probably about a, a eight or ten months ago of like. I don't know mm -hmm. if this is really worth going through this anymore and, you know, just creating stuff. And, uh, right. I had a long talk with Ed and, you know, a little bit of a talk with Jesse, but most, mostly with Ed because he's been, we've been podcasting together for six or seven years at this point. Right. Uh, and we were just like, I, I was like, look, man, I don't know if I can really do this. And he's like, no, we need to be the positive force in this negative world. And like, when we, started boss rush up we were just like look we have to we have to have three things we need to be positive we need to be constructive and we need to be inclusive and have a, a community that is that shares those same values and that's kind of how we've approached it and for the most part you know i mean not everyone that we've done stuff with has been you know part of that but you know what i mean like for the most part i feel like we've done a pretty good job of having a great community that is positive and, and reaches right. out and shares and, and, you know, gives us questions and gives us feedback and all in a constructive, positive manner. And now tower casuals is becoming the same way. You know, we have a community that is very positive and happy to, to jump in and play and, and nobody really yells at each other for <clears throat> messing up and everything. Like it's, it's just, right. I'm, I'm glad I stuck it out. You know, and, yeah. and I'm glad that you decided to come in and, and stick it out with us, too, because it's it's this show is nothing without you, honestly. And, and I'm glad that you decided to, to come in and, and be a positive force in our community, too. So, well, thank you for that. I appreciate that, Corey, um, because I, I I think you're a great person. You know, I, I think, you know, even even Ray, you know, I, I, I know we haven't really uh, touched on him either, but like, you know, he, he's a great guy. Like he helped found boss rush and mm -hmm. Ed is, is, has been a positive force and Jesse and adding Celeste to the mix. And now we're talking to, uh, Leron, who has been a, a great asset to, to have on our team now too. And it's just like everybody who we've 
who's currently on our roster of of team is is just been a fantastic force to work with and it's just right i i i don't know if i've ever loved making content more than i do right now and that's it's it's definitely the best experience i've had i I didn't know if i would capture that feeling i had ever again and i think through doing tower casuals I'm, i'm starting to feel that again um you know that that was kind of my whenever we would sit down to do our weekly recording that was that was kind of my chill time that was my hangout time like I was just, I was talking with my buddies, but we happened to put it on the internet for people to listen to. Like, it's the same conversations I have with my friends, you know, and like the ones that you and I have are the same ones that I'm, I'm sure I'm about to go have on, on mic when I hop in to play an hour of Destiny after this. You yeah. know, I'm going to have the exact same conversations there, just without Lore Corner. <laughs> <laughs> there might be Lore Corner. You don't know. No, there will not be. There is no Lore Corner on, on the mic unless, unless we are asked questions. And then I usually try to defer to somebody else or. Steer than the bike. <laughs> if you have four hours, go listen to bike. <laughs> right. Uh, You'll fall down a rabbit hole. Yeah. I, I've fallen down plenty of rabbit holes and I've wasted a bunch of time watching those videos and I don't regret a single second of it. So No, it's so worth it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Josh, thank you for uh, taking the time out of your night to, to do yeah, this. Thank you for this. Uh, I enjoyed this. 1v1. Uh, you are a great friend. You're an awesome lore master. You are just... You're just an awesome person to, to be around. I'm, I'm so glad that we're doing tower casuals together. Uh, why don't you remind everybody where they can find you just in case they, uh, don't. as, as always, in case you don't remember from the tower casuals, you guys can find me on Twitter at, at Josh underscore Finn. That's Finn with two N's as always. And follow me for the latest ratings and ratings on the destiny universe on video games in general and really life. Ultimately I get a little philosophical on there from time to time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you can find me at I am Corin HD on Twitter and Instagram. I want to thank everybody for watching this episode of One V One. You can uh, check out all of our One V Ones now on its own separate podcast feed or on the Boss Rush podcast uh, feed on any of the podcast services you listen to it on, or on YouTube or on a website at BossRushGames.com. Thank you, Josh, for joining me tonight. And remember, everybody, play games, be better, and celebrate your positive creators out there. Uh, Thank you guys so much for watching, and until next week, we love you.